welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Whew. So, yeah, this week, yeah, um, this week is very interesting. So, we'll start with, you know, Bellator's back, and, I mean, Bellator's back, one champion, this championship has happened, Phew. sorry, let's talk about, uh, Pitbull versus Sanchez, too, um, Laura versus Wantanabe, this fight was just back and forth, awesome fight, exciting fight, um, Wantanabe comes from Ryzen, so this was like an organization versus organization fight, um, great fight, you know, and one of the things that really highlighted for me was the groundwork, you know, a groundwork of a judo player is not the same as a groundwork of a jiu-jitsu player, and you saw that, you know, you, you saw that that night because Wantanami's groundwork was very focused on either getting up or attacking. It was never, let me stay on the ground and, you know, play guard or whatever. It was, I'm either attacking or I'm getting my ass up. Um, great fight, close fight. I almost thought it was going to go to Lara, but it, it could have gone either way. That was a close fight. Um, I didn't see the two fights in the middle, but Gracie versus Jackson, I mean, Jackson won the fight. I know some people disagree with, you know, with the, with, some people disagree with the outcome, but the reality was Jackson won the fight. And, you know, Jackson did, Jackson just did what he had to do to, you know, win the fight, you know, he scored the points, he, you know, he scored the points, and he won, I mean, in the fight, his, I guess, he, his, he fell forward into the cage, and his eyelid got caught in the, uh, in, in the cage, and it's just, ugh, and, and you could see his eyelid getting peeled back, it was very nasty, and he even has pictures of it, if you have an Instagram, you should look it up, um, but his eyelid was just, you could see his eyelid being peeled back, because, by the cage, it was so nasty, but he showed tremendous heart and tremendous focus by staying in the fight, finding a way to win, and beating Gracie, I mean, you know, like I said, Gracie and some people try to are trying to say that he should have won the fight, I didn't see that, you know, Gracie, even though he was initiating the ground, he was never trying to do anything beyond that, you know, like I said, it's not what you do, it's what comes after. And whenever he would pull guard or try to get the fight to the ground, he just could not. He, he was just not being offensive. He wasn't trying to sweep. He wasn't trying to submit. You know, Jackson did a good job of, you know, maintaining his composure, keeping the, you know, maintaining his position, you know, trying to do damage and never giving up the top position. Very smart. Good fight for Jackson. Shows that he's come a long way and that he's pretty good. Pitbull versus Sanchez too. Okay, so this fight, the the thing with Pitbull and uh, I can't stand the weasel. The weasel said something dumb as to saying that um, Pitbull has a weakness to low kicks. No, he doesn't, fool. He doesn't have a weakness to low kicks. The thing with Pitbull is that he is a counterpuncher. He likes to, what he likes to do is similar, is pretty much to that what his teammates, Henry Cejudo and, you know, uh, what's his name, blown up Ricky Martin, uh, Paulo Costa like to do. They like to take the center, push forward, make you come, make you react so they can counter. 
that's pretty much their game. What they what that that's pretty much their whole game is take the center, push forward, get you to react so they can catch you with a counter. That that's pretty much his style. You know, Pitbull is a counter puncher. So Sanchez being smart would have to pick his shots and, you know, stay within his range and make the counter puncher in a way strike first. Um, and he didn't do that. You know, one of the main mistakes that he, he was, you know, he was doing a good job of kind you know, one of the main mistakes is. The two big main mistakes that he did that you never want to do against the counter puncher is give them a pattern and come down on a straight line. He came down on a straight line and gave Pitbull a pattern. A pat and that and once that happened, it was all downhill from there. It, it, I said it as I was watching the fight. It's only a matter of time before Pitbull catches him, and once he did. Lashed on the guillotine, put him to sleep. You know, the lesson of that fight, you know, the main lesson that I got out of Bellator is never, you know, <laughs> never give a counterpuncher a routine and never come down on a straight line when you're fighting a counterpuncher. When you're fighting a counterpuncher, never give him a routine and never come down on a straight line. You always want to fight him at angles and you always want to mix up your attacks when you give them a pattern or you come down the come down the center line they catch you every time and that's exactly what happened with sanchez you know pitbull is a counter puncher and you know sanchez you know just sanchez pretty much did all the things you do not do against counter puncher you know which is give them a routine and come down the center line and that's what happened and Pitbull is still your featherweight champion. I mean, he, I mean, when it comes to featherweight, he is by far one of the best, best featherweights in the world. I mean, when it comes down to featherweight, he, he is one of the best featherweights out there. Um, lightweight, I'm not so sure. He hasn't really, I haven't, he hasn't been at lightweight that long, but no doubt he does have the potential to, Sorry, I'm looking at Katsy Connor. She's hot. Anyways, but uh, but he does have the potential to be an all a, a great fighter at lightweight too. I mean, he does have the potential. If he, you know, to he does have that potential. You know, it's not like he's lacking in skill or you know he doesn't have talent he does have great potential to become not just one of the greatest featherweights but also one of the greatest lightweights from what i've seen um we just got just got to see him fight more at lightweight that's pretty much what it is but uh congrats to pitbull uh bader versus machida too so the first fight is Yamuchi versus Moret, and to sum up this fight was, whenever you hear fights, you know, whenever fights like these end in a bad decision, I always think back to Marvelous Marvin Hagler, when he said, you can't leave it up to the judges, these have to be my judges, meaning his fists, you know, and Whenever I see a fight like this where clearly Yamuchi won the fight, I mean, I, I don't know how these judges scored Morat as the winner. It was just, it baffles me. At the end of the day, 
the fault is Yamuchi because he should have he he should have finished him. You know, he he did have there was points of the fight where he had Moritz back. There was points of the fight where he could have really put the stamp on the fight, and he didn't necessarily do that. And so the lesson for you know Yamuchi is you know. Don't leave it into the hands of the judges. You know, go out, crush him. Like, give him no... And, and I'm, I'm talking, give him a savage beatdown to where there's no doubt or finish him. You know, don't just dominate him part-time. Dominate him all the time. You know, but uh, all in all, Yamuchi won that fight. That was a terrible judge's decision. Uh... Katsugano versus Parker. I mean, Katsugano. Katsugano should be world champion. Katsugano is one of the most underrated fighters in the women's division, whether featherweight or bantamweight. She's one of those fighters that, on paper, she should be a top contender or a world champion. You know, uh, I remember Mighty Mouse saying, you know, on paper, she has all the, she has all the tools to beat Ronda. She is the girl to beat Ronda. But the problem with Katzengano is, and has always been two things. One, she had a string of bad luck when it came to injuries. Number, and number two, she gets so emotional in fights. When she gets into fights, if you've ever seen her walk out, she's crying. Sometimes she's just super intense, has this angry face. She gets in the ring, she's sitting, she's mean mugging, she's she's super intense, just just she's just this big ball of emotion walking into the fight, you know, going, you know, walking into the fight and that's usually the reason why she loses, you know, is because she gets so emotional. And that's why there's some fights that she has that she either, you know, and that's why she, and that's why there's some fights that she, where she either loses, where she has, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm losing track, but and because it's because of her emotion is, is the reason why she has, which is the reason why she loses or has really close fights where she should have outright dominated the fighter. You know, it's usually, and, and that's the reason why, because she gets so emotional. That's the reason why she loses. That's the reason why she has, she's had like close fights where you're like, holy shit, you were playing it close there. You're lucky you won that because she gets so emotional. And if she, and I've said before, if she would just learn to control her emotions she would perform a whole lot better, and she would never lose. She would be dominant from start to finish. And, you know, of course, and then you also have to add to the fact that she had a ton of bad luck with injuries. If you don't, if you don't know, look into her story. I mean, this girl has had bad luck left and right when it comes to injuries. And, you know, and she's, and she's bounced back. And it's it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. You know, like I said, you look into her story, it's really amazing. But she's bounced back. And this fight showed that a calm, calculated Katsugano is a dangerous Katsugano. The first fight was, you know, gave you a kind of a glimpse of what she could do. You know, this fight gave you a, f a full four-page letter 
you know, a full four page letter of what she could do. She came out. She was calm. You know, she you didn't see her react. You know, she was calm. You didn't see her react or get emotional, you know, or or take a or make a, you know, or take a wild move. She was calculated. She figured out what to do. She took her opponent down. You know, she rolled over, got the arm bar, finished her opponent by tap out. And it was an amazing performance by Kat. She she was calm, calculated. Every decision she made was a calculated decision, a smart decision. She never did anything wild or emotional like like she used to, which was always her problem, is that she would get emotional. She would get wild and emotional. This fight, she she clearly showed that she's matured in her in her fight career no doubt she you know the time away and you know going through those ups and downs has molded and shaped her into the fighter that she that we're starting to see her that that we're starting to see her become you know and i mean if she keeps it up i mean cyborg better watch out i mean i like i said katsugano has all the potential to become world champion she just has to control her emotions and that's all it is you know when she controls her damn emotions she's a world beater uh let's see sorry look at my list uh boric versus kennedy i mean this was just all boric i mean pepped up pepped kennedy up with the jab just you know the the thing with Kennedy was Kennedy it was like and you can tell who was doing more damage you you can tell who was doing more damage landing the more damaging blows because every time Kennedy hit you know Boric wouldn't budge once once whatsoever but when Boric hit Kennedy would fly back <laughs> left and right I mean perfect example was. And I think it was either the third or second round. Kennedy was throwing some leg kicks. Bork didn't budge. Bork threw one low kick and Kennedy fell right to the floor. And it was pretty clear who was who was landing the more damaging blows, who had the advantage in power. It was pretty clear. And Bork won by a dominant decision. Uh Liz Carbouche versus Porto. I mean, like Liz Carbouche experience man experience 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 she's another fighter just like katsuganu who hasn't fallen to the trap of relying on old habits you know um as uh the great catch wrestler billy robinson once said you have to learn how to learn and you know liz carmouche has learned how to learn she hasn't, you know, stayed stagnant or, you know, as or relied on old habits. You, she showed in this fight that she's learned and evolved. She's a lot more smarter and tactical with the things she does. Before, she used to just muscle you. She used to just overwhelm you with her size and her strength. You know, she would rely on her physicality, you know, like most fighters who have physical advantages, they fall into the trap where they get, they, where they rely and get married to whatever gives them a distinctive advantage to the point where they never evolve and they end up just, you know, and they fall off. They never truly grow. She has, you know, 
gotten out of that, you know, which is very hard for a lot of fighters, which so few fighters ever do. And she has grown and matured and has, you know, and utilized her experience, experience to win this fight. Very, very great. Um, very great win for Liz Carmouche. Uh, Ryan Bader versus Leona Machida too. Okay, so this fight, this was Ryan Bader's first knockout loss. And, you know, I've always said the fighter back then is different from the fighter now. Just because you fought them before doesn't mean they're the same fighter. And Ryan Bader showed Leona Machida that he is not the same fighter. You know, one of the things that Leona Machida is... Boss Rutten pointed this out years ago is he always circles to his left. And when you're dealing with somebody, you know, who circles to their left a lot, you want to throw a straight right and step through. Ryan Bader did exactly that. You know, he every time Leona Machida would circle to his left, he would throw the step, straight right and step through. He never, you know, reacted. You know, he never reacted to Machida's attacks. And whenever Machida would attack, he would counter the counterpuncher. You know, which is exactly what he did. And he won a decision. You know, he got the takedown, ended up putting Machida on his back, and just battered him for the fourth and fifth round. It was a good competitive fight. You know, Machida was still in it. You know, I would say up until the third and fourth round, that's when you started to see the tide change. But you can tell that Ryan Bader learned his lessons from the last fight. You know, counter the counterpuncher. When he circles to his left, throw the strip straight right and step through. You know, don't, you know, just throw, but step through when you throw. And like I said, you know, counter the counterpuncher. And Ryan Bader moves on to the light heavyweight tournament. It was a great fight. Great comeback for performance for Ryan Bader. Um, this light heavyweight tournament is looking good, you know. And April sixteenth is going to get really good, but um, that's pretty much Bellator. That's pretty much Bellator and uh, Bellator last week and Bellator this week. Uh, one championship: Eddie Alvarez versus um. I, I can't pronounce the guy's name. But pretty much... The thing the thing with this fight is... When you are in a position... The thing... There are just certain grappling positions where you're not going to see. You know? And you have to understand... You, that you're not going that you're not going to see and just because it feels like you're in the position where you can hit this guy and you know where just because you're in a position that feels right doesn't mean doesn't mean it is and this was the problem that Eddie had Eddie was in a position where he was face to face with his opponent so in his mind he thought he was good to throw punches but he wasn't, but on the outside, he wasn't. So he ended up throwing punches to, his, to the back of the head of his opponent, which I don't think he did it, you know, which I don't believe. Honestly, I don't believe at all he did it intentionally. But, you know, he did hit the guy in the back of the head. Now, his opponent intentionally turned his head. All right? His, his opponent intentionally tur turned his head. So... 
if his opponent intentionally turned his head, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing with the Peter Yon thing. If your opponent is intentionally doing something to stall the fight, you know, there should be, you know, if, if, if your opponent does something to intentionally stall the fight, you know, there should, I've always said, there should be a penalty for it. There should be a warning for that. You know, his opponent intentionally turned his head. You, you know, just, you know, so in retrospect, from my from my viewpoint, the ref should have told the guy, hey, look, man, you're, you're stalling the fight. You need to move or do something. You can't just turn your head, you know, to where he to where he can't punch you because if he does it'll be seen illegal you need to you know turn your head get up or do something you know kind of the same thing with you know Aljamain Sterling in the Peter Yan situation you know you know it's like hey look man you can't keep falling to the ground and stalling the fight every time okay you know he can't knee you in the head he can't he know he can't knee or kick you in the head while you're on the ground so you can't land you can't intentionally fall to the ground to stall the fight you know it's either you get up or i'm gonna stop the fight and and that's the same thing that should have happened to eddie alvarez's opponent is he should have been warned for stalling the fight or trying to stall the fight. And that's the one thing that my gripe is when it comes to these disqualifications is, you know, everyone's all shocked and awed at the guy who did the DQ, but no one's really in shock and awe at the person who created the who who created that situation. You know, and you know, and you know, Eddie Alvarez is not a dirty fighter. He didn't do anything with the intention of you know, he he wasn't anything dirty. It was just he was in a position where he couldn't see it, but in his mind, it felt right. You know, even though, like I said, just because something feels right doesn't mean that it is right. And he he took the risk, and it cost him. You know, it's a lesson learned. And his opponent, you know, should not have tried to stall the fight. <laughs> you know, the you know, like I said, that's what you get. You know, that's what happens when you stall the fight. And that's why I've always said I truly believe that there should be a penalty against fighters who stall the fight. You know, fighters who intentionally put themselves in positions where hitting them with a certain technique or just hitting them at all is illegal. They should be, you know, penalized for it. And this guy, they should be warned and penalized. And this guy, along with Aljamain, should have been warned and penalized. But uh, um, from the way the fight was looking, it looked like Eddie was going to win. And I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie won the rematch. So, yep. <sighs> One championship, Demetrius Johnson versus Adriano Moraes. I mean, this fight was a shocker. I thought Demetrius Johnson was going to win. I thought Demetrius Johnson, I mean, I didn't really know much about Adriano Marias. Other than that, he was a big submissions guy. Excuse me. But, man, he was good. Um, watching this fight, and after listening to The Weasel, who I, like I said, I honestly have a huge criticism for, the Weasel said that Demetrius Johnson's weakness is uppercuts. Well, if it is his weakness, you know, and that, and then said that the only person to throw uppercuts on him was Dominic Cruz. 
Well, if he, if that was the case, well, then John Dotson would have been successful with the uppercuts he threw. John Moraga, um, who was it? Ali Bagatinov. I mean, you know, Ali Bagatinov. I mean, even. Horiguchi also threw uppercuts. So, the, the the this whole thing that Dominic Cruz is the only one to have thrown an uppercut and nobody noticed it is is total crap. Once again, the Weasel's just he's totally asinine. I just he says a lot of asinine shit, and this is one of them. Um, the thing that so to clear that up, all right. Finding an opening is not the same as finding a weakness. Okay, Adriano Marias found open, found an opening, but that doesn't mean that he found a weakness. All right, if uppercuts were a weakness of Johnson, then, like I said, John Dotson would have had success, Moraga would have had success, um, Horiguchi would have had success. Be in mind, these fighters all threw uppercuts. And it didn't work out. So, I mean, just like I said, the weasel talks out of his ass. But the thing with this fight that really stood out was a lot of people are saying that, you know, Adriano Moraes was too big and yada, yada, yada. But people forget that he spent half of his career at 135. And was undefeated at 135 until he ran up against Dominic Cruz. You know, he actually has a pretty good record at 135, all right, contrary to popular belief. So to say that, you know, he's, you know, that he, you know, that, to, so to say something stupid like that, saying that, oh, you know, 135, you know, that he has problems at 135 and, you know, he shouldn't be fighting at 135 is ridiculous. Okay, I can see if like, you know, when you look at his success rate, if his success rate was bad, but he has he has a pretty great success rate at 135. So don't give me that shit that 135 is 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 a problem for him. You know, just just like us again, shut the hell up, fucker, fucking weasel and other people, you know. Just shut the fuck up. So, anyways, but um, yeah, no, he doesn't have issues fighting one thirty fivers. You know, he spent half of his career at one thirty five. You know, he has a pretty high success rate at one thirty five. Of course, he was more successful at one twenty five, but it doesn't change the fact that he can still compete at one thirty five. You know, he showed it competing in one. He showed it competing in WEC and UFC. So, yeah, no. To say something as asinine as he, you know, he has problems fighting 135ers is totally stupid. But um, the thing with Adriano Marias is, is just Adriano Marias, you know, utilized great footwork. You know, he, he utilized great footwork. He never... You know, one of the things with, you know, Adrian, he utilized great footwork. He never stood still. If you if you understood, if one of the things that he did really well was he never stood still. And every time, you know, every time DJ would come into range, that, that was the thing. You know, every time DJ would come in, every time DJ would step in, Adriano would crack him. 
Adriano would hit him with something. He never, like I said, he never chased DJ. He never reached for him. This is, this is why I'm saying understanding your range, understanding the importance of distance and finding your range is important because when you, when you, when you establish your distance and you know, you find your range, you'll be able to hit and not get hit more efficiently. And that's what Adriano Marias did was he got the distance, he stayed within his range, and every time DJ would step in, he would crack him. He never overextended. Every shot that he threw was within his range. And, you know, every was within his range. And when he caught DJ with that good uppercut, which put him on his ass, he followed up with a vicious knee on the ground, and, you know, for a lot of people don't understand, is one championship, knees on the ground are legal, you know, and, you know, as, you know, and as we've seen, they are very devastating, you know, because once Mariah's hit DJ with that knee, that was it. It was pretty much it. It was it was it was all done and it was all over from there. It hit right on the money. And it was honestly a lot worse than Algermain taking the knee to the head. Algermain taking the knee to the head. That that's for sure because DJ was cracked. Like DJ I don't think was out, but he was cracked. Like he was on Queer Street. So um yeah, it was a great fight for Adriano Moraes. Um, another thing that the Weasel tried to say is that he comes in a straight line. He doesn't come in a straight line. DJ does not come in a straight line. He fights at angles and fights at, you know, he fights at a lot of angles. So, you know, and like I said, Adriano Moraes did a good job. And, and you know, Adriano Moraes did a good job at recognizing when DJ was going to step in. No matter what angle DJ was in. You know, Adriano Marias stayed calm. He stayed, you know, he stayed within his range and he picked his shots. And that's, and like I said, and that's one of the things with, you know, fighting somebody like that, when fighting somebody like DJ is you have to be patient. You have to pick your shots. You're not always going to find the money shot. You're not always going to, you, you gotta, you gotta take whatever it is you can get because he's always moving. He's always, you know, in or in and out coming from various angles. You have to, you know, you have to take whatever you can get from those, you know, from those times when DJ, you know, steps in. And that's exactly what he did. He never stepped out of that range. He stayed within his range. He, you know, he picked his shots no matter what angle, no matter how many angles DJ was coming from. He always, you know, he always stayed, he always stayed within his range and hit what he could hit. He never tried to hit something that he could not hit. And it just goes to show what great fight IQ he has. And like I said, that knee was was clean and perfect. One of the reasons why I said, you know, knees on the ground should be legal in the States. I mean, th this was great. I mean, the way he caught that knee was awesome. DJ is an awesome fighter, one of my favorite fighters. But man, that knee was awesome. <laughs> so, um like I said, knees on the ground need to be legal. So, but, um, another thing that a lesson learned in this fight is there's a clear difference between the way Western MMA fighters fight and the way Eastern MMA fighters fight. If you notice when you watch Western MMA fighters like DJ or Eddie Alvarez, 
they're first thing they're looking for they're always looking for the takedown whether they're exchanging or not exchanging they're always looking for the takedown at some point they're always looking to press you up against the fence where you know eastern mma fighters they're not really looking for the takedown they're not looking to really press you up against the fence they're kind of just more focused on the stand-up they're more focused on the stand-up if it goes to the ground it goes to the ground if it gets to the cage it gets to the cage they're not really looking for it they they fight where they they fight wherever the fight is at and if it goes and if it if it goes anywhere else or if it has to go anywhere else they'll do it but um you know you know and you you know but western mma fighters they're always looking for the takedown they're always looking to grapple at some point whether on the feet or on the ground so this was kind of a good highlight to show this was actually a pretty good highlight you know to show the clear differences in styles of mma both in the eastern and the western when you watch this fight and that's one of the biggest takeaways that i got from this was there's a huge difference between western mma and eastern mma and this fight really showed that and um but yeah man that was a hell of a knee and that was a great knee and you know i love dj's responses you know i love dj's response to when they asked him about the knee he says i like the rule you know i think it's great and it is great <laughs> you know and i mean and I don't know what people were expecting, expecting him to feel bad for, you know, what he said about his comments due to knees should be legal in the UFC and in Western MMA. I mean, there really is no irony at all. He's right. And you have to accept the fact that he's right. And like I said, he has no problems with knees being legal on the ground, you know, and that just goes to show you not just how educated he is but also how humble he is he's not bitching about the rules you know like oh the knee should be legal on the ground the knee shouldn't be legal on the ground like Algermain. he accepts the rules are what they are he has his opinions about them but he understands that those are the rules and you know and that's it so you know and what what else can you say so yeah but Congrats to Adriano Moraes, man. That was a, I couldn't couldn't say it better of myself. That's the picture picture perfect example of, you know, not being flat footed. Stay within your range and pick your shots. And that's how he won. He stayed within his range. He wasn't flat footed, and he picked his shots, and it worked out for him. So, and he and ended it with a hell of a fucking knee. So thank you very much, you guys. Um, Next pose. Next will be, I think there's a UFC fight tomorrow, and then we've got WrestleMania Sunday. So those I will be covering for sure. So later and good night.